And uh, we're going to jump right in uh, to teaching on expectations. And so, Father, we thank you for tonight. I thank you for these couples. I thank you for just the truth of your word. And uh, Lord, I pray tonight you just continue to guide and direct us, uh, Lord, when it comes to relationships. And so, Father, we know expectations can wreck things quickly. We know that in-laws um, really, Lord, are, are there. They're for us. And sometimes we can see them as enemies. And so, Father, I just pray that you would use tonight uh, to help us to promote peace. Lord, to help us, uh, Lord, just to grow and to be challenged. And so we thank you for tonight. It's in your son's name we pray. Amen. Amen. Awesome. All right, guys. Well, uh, this is my wife, Mandy. And so, so glad I finally got to make it. That's toward right. Toward the end. Yeah, toward the end. So we've been married uh, 13 years. We've got four kids. I think we got a shot of these guys. And so I might have showed this night one, but Allie's our 10-year-old. She's the, kind of the CEO. She, she's like second mom. Constantly having to tell her like, hey, you're the sister, not the mom. Like just love your brothers. Uh, but, but she is a uh, world changer. She is the, what I call the enforcer on her soccer team. So she stands back and keeps all the girls away from the goal. Uh, so she's a tough girl. Uh, Caleb's our nine-year-old. He's kind of our dreamer, Lego maniac. Dad, what if? And, uh, and he's got just these masterful ideas constantly. Riley is our seven-year-old, um, and he's like you know, one of those kids that, you know, he's either going to like end up in prison or he's going to change the world. And so we're like, come on, change the world, buddy. And uh, he is... We call him our fireball. Yeah. And so he is just such a cool kid. And uh, I mean... He goes from like extremes though sometimes. Sometimes you're like, what are you doing, bro? And then sometimes he's just, you know, hugging on you. He is one of the most thoughtful kids you could ever imagine, which is it's so, so fun to see. Tonight then, he said he would bring me food when I was dying in my bed when I'm older. There, there you go. <laughs> I'll see, take care of you, mama. Yeah, he's thinking of stuff like that. Griff is our kind of our caboose. Uh, he's our bonus baby. And he is... Uh, <laughs> He's just Griff, man. And so we just have a saying in our house, it's Griff gonna Griff. And so he, uh, last night, we, we found him in his bed and he had camo paint all over his face and had camo painted the wall. And That's when awesome. I asked him why he did it, he said, because I like to clean things. <laughs> I don't know. So it's crazy. But, but that's, uh, that's our whole crew, you know? And, and so... As we step up here, sometimes, uh, you know, it's clouded and, and crazy, but you seem like it was a good day. We can do this. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> there we go. Well, you want to tell them what we're talking about? So tonight we get to talk to you guys about just an area in your relationship um, where differences can lead to disappointment. And so Lance already told you, and I'm sure you've seen in your book, that we're going to talk about expectations and in-laws. And both of those areas um, can be tricky because they can lead to disappointment. So first we want to define the word expectations. Expectations are beliefs about the way things will be or should be, including behaviors, roles, life, death, relationships, and then we could fill in the blank with so many more things. Yeah, and so I think where we want to start tonight is just what you can expect, okay? And so here's, here's kind of a list of things you can expect uh, in marriage. One, you'll be conducting your marriage in a fallen world, okay? The second is that... Uh, you're sinners and you'll be married, like you're a sinner and you'll be married to another sinner. Okay? Like, yeah, yay, exciting. Um, there are, another thing you need to realize is there are some expectations that you're going to need to die to. Okay? Things that you just realize, okay, this, this is unreasonable. Okay? And then the fourth piece is that God is faithful in the midst of it all. Okay? He's faithful in the midst of it all. And um, 
And so I think the question that comes up sometimes is just why would we talk about this? And here's why. All your disappointments, hurts, frustrations in marriage are going to come from unmet expectations. Okay? And so one of our goals tonight really is to try to help minimize some of that disappointment uh, by helping you become more aware of the expectations you have for each other. Yep. And so everybody comes into marriage with expectations about everything, where you'll live, what kind of food you'll eat, what church you'll attend, the friends you're going to run with, what kind of vacations you'll take together, um, when, when you want to retire and where you want to retire, those types of things. Um, if you're going to retire, <laughs> we always talk about that. Um, the list could go on and on. And, and there's no better time to discuss those expectations that are brewing in your mind than before you get married. So we want to just focus on some of those things um, on the front end. And sometimes it's little things that'll trip you up. You know, people always tell you like which way you put the toilet paper or how you get the toothpaste out of the tube. Those kinds of little things will trip you up. And sometimes it's the bigger things. And so we're just going to give you an example from our past of a little thing that tripped us up expectation-wise and a big thing. Yeah. So... So you want me to take that? Or? Yeah, you just tell on yourself because it's <laughs> uncomfortable so to tell when, on So when you. we first got married, <laughs> it was kind of this new world. Like Mandy was like doing laundry. And so for me, my whole life, it was like, you do your own laundry, you fold your own laundry. And she was like, hey, I'll take that. I'd love to do that. Awesome. That's great. And so she started doing my laundry. Well, I started like checking my drawers and I was like, oh gosh, like these are folded wrong. And, um, and so yeah, some of you are like, you're an idiot. Just, she's folding your clothes. Like, just take it. Okay, I get it, right? And so there's a part of me that was like, oh no, like, what do I do? And so I didn't really know early on, like, man, how do I tell her that? Because she's doing this and it's really sweet. And, and I didn't know how to tell her. And so I just would refold my own shirts, like, and like put them in. All of them. Okay. Every week. And so one time she walks in and it's kind of like, <gasps> you know, like, wow, you know, and, and, and she's like, what are you doing? And I was like, I, I can't, these, these are folded wrong. I, I can't read the labels, you know? And so I was like, I need to be able to see what's on the front of the shirt. And, uh, and so it's really funny. Like I had this certain way I folded. She had a different way. And so our compromise was kind of like, okay, we can fold them your way, but will you please let the front, anybody else like to see what's on their shirt? Thank you. Thank oh, there's you. A pepper. All seven of you. Yes. Yeah. Good. So yeah, so that was a little thing for us. It was just funny because he waited like months in and I had to catch him instead of him just telling me like, hey, let's do something different here. So that was one of our little things. And then also bigger thing, just um, as far as like when we wanted to have kids, just talking about like, should we, when should I get off birth control and different kinds of things like that. And, um, and we had decided we were going to wait three years. And um, you can tell the story too. <laughs> <laughs> so we uh his face is like i want to tell yeah, go, 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 go. <laughs> no you can have it go. you want it okay so we uh we we decided on three years and and uh of course uh two years three months rolls along and manny's like kind of walks in with this look like how you doing you know like <laughs> hey and like she was like basically like hey it's it's time i was like time for what and she was like time to start trying and i was like no 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 we said three years and she goes two years three months plus nine months equals three years. And I was like, that's not how we do math. Like, you're a wicked woman. You know, it's like, ah. And so, but it, what we learned through that is like, that was a big deal for her. Like in her mind, this entire time, it was, no, three years we will have a baby. And for me, it was like three years and we'll start trying. And, um, you know, so that was a big thing for us. And then I think what we realized along the way is like, hey, the, the bigger takeaway in all of that for us was like, <laughs> we don't decide that, you know, like God, God at any point in time can go, baby, there you go. All right, great. We'll take it. And he um, did that twice. Yes, he did do that twice. <laughs> um, 
But sometimes our expectations come from our sense of entitlement. You know, as I shared our wedding story with you guys and realizing like, hey, my expectation of what that wedding night was going to look like is not how that unfolded, right? And so we went from, I think I got a picture of this, this, well, yeah, so this was night before, right? And, and it's like, okay, expectation. Here's what's happening tomorrow night, baby girl. Yeah, this is going to be great. And then it goes to this the next night where I'm like puking up cake, right? Like I said, that was at, our reception. She's like, he's going to throw up. I think he's throwing up. What's happening? That was a really scary moment. Yeah. So anyhow, but the question I think a lot of times we wonder is like, hey, where do those expectations come from? Like, how do we get those? Where do we pick them up from? Um, And so one of those places is your parents. Okay. And so how you were raised is going to determine what you expect. Mm -hmm. And so a lot of times, guys, you're going to expect the girl you married to operate similarly, similarly to your mom. And then ladies, a lot of times you're going to expect your husband to respond and to do the same things your dad did, okay? And if you don't talk about those things, you guys can easily miss it. And Mm -hmm. so for me, my mom cooked for an army. Like every time we had like birthdays or huge parties, it was like army time. Like all these people could eat and we had leftovers. she still cooks that way. She does still cook that way. And so it comes to my first birthday, Mandy's like, I'm going to make you dinner. And she does like all this stuff out. And I'm like, I walk into the kitchen and I go, where's the food? (laughs) You know, and, and it was, uh, you're going, gosh, he's a terrible husband. Why is he? I, I, I was like so bad. Um, and so there were like comments and things that I made that I was like, were so hurtful. And yet at the same time, like, ah, oh, why would I expect that? Yeah. Um, but that's, that's kind of how your family Im- impacts it. So. And so for me, um, obviously in the food category, I've learned that I have to up my game a lot, but he's also lowered his expectations a little bit. Um, But for me, my dad did not have a single solitary opinion about what our house looked like or what the furniture was like or any of the dishes in the kitchen or any of that. He didn't, he did not care. My mom picked out furniture. She did paint colors. She decorated how she wanted to. So when I went to register, when we went to register, For, um, for our wedding day and for showers and stuff, this man has an opinion about everything. And I was not prepared for that. And that has continued on through our marriage and something that I've had to adjust to and get used to. But I was expecting him to function kind of like my dad did. Anybody and else it, care about the weight of the silverware? Thank you, all five. Good. Yeah, yeah. Good. <laughs> so there's a few of y'all out there. Yeah. Um, Some other places that your expectations can come from are just the culture around us, the movies that we're watching, the music that we're listening to, um, even the online world. I think Pinterest is really, really dictating expectations a lot when it comes to what our wedding's going to look like and, you know, how our invitations have to be and all the crazy ideas that get put in our head for for any of that kind of stuff. I think Pinterest really does... um, kind of mold a lot of our thoughts. They can come from other relationships. So previous relationships that you're in, how you were treated in those. Um, Some of you are going to want to compare yourself to other couples, like who have been married for years. And you're going to expect to have the same relationship as those guys did right from the get-go. Okay, so you can kind of expect and compare. And here's the deal. When it comes to comparison, like no one wins the comparison game. Okay, and so just be aware of that. Mm-hmm. And also expectations can just come from within ourselves. A lot of times we'll get tripped up because I'll think that he should be responding to a situation or a circumstance the way that I would respond to it. I'm like, well, this is how I deal with it. So that's how you should deal with it. And that's not necessarily healthy. And then also just um, when we first got married, I, would, I also expected myself similarly to what he said about other couples. I thought that I would be my mom. 
and she had, you know, 40 years on me um, as far as being a mom and or being just being married and managing a home. And I was like, I can't keep up with the housework. I don't even know what a Swiffer is. You know, all this kind of stuff that I was like, I don't know what I'm doing. And so I put those expectations on myself. Yep. And then some of our expectations come from the church. Okay, and so for some of you, I mean, that's been a great experience. Some of it, it hasn't. Uh, you know, I think our hope that, is that this class um, has hopefully set up some new expectations for you guys. Hopefully, we, you've raised the bar a little bit of what to expect in a husband and in a wife. Um, but those are places that our expectations can come from. Mm-hmm. So what happens when our expectations go unmet? I'm going to talk about this for just a minute because um, when our expectations aren't met, I told Lance, I all of a sudden started thinking about emojis in my mind because there's these, this is a process that you go through. You feel sadness when your expectation goes unmet. And then that kind of leads to disappointment. And that disappointment can, can lead to frustration and then anger. Did you see all the emojis right there? The little faces? I did. Okay. Uh, moving on. But what the point in all of this is that what once was charming all of a sudden looks annoying. What once was spontaneous in your significant other now looks like irresponsibility. Um, what once was organized suddenly looks like controlling. And the things that drew you to that person that you liked about that person so much suddenly don't look so great anymore. And that's what happens when we have an unmet expectation. Yeah. And so I, here's the deal. When it, when it comes to marriage and relationships in general, like you're going to have plenty of opportunity to disappoint one another right? Like that, that's, that's going to happen. I think we can all expect that that might be the case. And so our hope tonight is that you'll begin to kind of take a, just an honest look at reality. Um, and so that when disappointment comes and those vows that you're going to take are put to the test, you'll be ready. Because here's the deal. Most marriages, they're going to fly through the better, the richer, the health part of those vows. But, but it's when the worse, the poor, the sickness comes, those things that we don't expect, you know, we're going to come our way, that, that we're really going to, those vows are going to be tested. And, and, and really the question becomes like, how will you respond in that? And, and so Tim Keller says that wedding vows are not a declaration of present love, he said, but a mutually binding promise of future love. Okay, and, and so that's a vow that says no matter what. Okay, and it's this type of love that sets, um, sets one another apart, like sets those relationships apart from a healthy relationship versus kind of an unhealthy marriage or relationship. And so when you experience unmet expectations, there's basically two paths that you can take. Mm-hmm. So for unhealthy marriages, they usually take this path. There's an unmet expectation. I think we have this up here. And um, unmet expectations lead to disappointment. And if you're disappointed long enough, then you're going to start disconnecting. And when you're disconnected long enough, that's when people are like, why are we even married anymore? Let's just quit on this thing. Um, And this progression, it's not bad instantly. It doesn't go from unmet expectation to divorce. It's it's gradual, and it's a slow fade down that road. Um, I have a really close friend, and I watched this exact thing happen to her after they had kids. Her husband had to work a lot more, and so he kind of um, became what I would consider a workaholic and wasn't around a lot. And when he was around, he didn't want to take her on dates or go out with her. He didn't pursue her any longer. And that unmet expectation sat around long enough that it led to disappointment. And that disappointment led her to seek um, just an emotional relationship at work, that a, a guy that would pay attention to her, that would talk to her, that would care about her. And she sat in that long enough that they, they had a physical affair, and, and then she ended up getting a divorce from her husband. And I watched that process over such a long period of time. It was really, um, really 
hard. And Proverbs 13, 12 says, hope deferred makes the heart sick, but a desire fulfilled is a tree of life. And so what we want for you, our hope for your marriage is that you'll take a healthy progression that, um, that you won't go, that you won't have the sickness that Proverbs 13, 12 is talking about. And that, um, that you'll take a different course of action, which would be, you have an unmet expectation because that doesn't change. That's for both. All marriages are going to have unmet expectations. But this time, instead of going down the road of disappointment, it should lead you to discovery, discovering something about your spouse, your spouse discovering something about you. And then that leads to a personal response. Either he changes something that he's doing or saying, or you change something that you're doing or saying, or you both change something to make the situation better. Um, and then that, what that does is it strengthens your commitment to one another. It says, I care about you and I'm willing to work on this and make it better. Um, and just like the other one wasn't bad instantly, our marriages aren't going to be beautiful instantly. But if we continue down this progression, if we really practice this, then, then we can really resolve our commitment to one another. And my example of that is just that um, Lance and I went through a little phase not too long ago, season-wise, where he's just exhausted after work and he would come home and put his feet up, which rightly so he should. And there would be some nights every once in a while that he'd say, hey, why don't you go out with the girlfriends? And I was so grateful that he would let me go out. But when I would come home, the house would just be a dump. Like there'd be dishes. Somebody laughed really hard. There'd be like dishes piled up in the sink, you know, and, and it was just such a drain to me. I don't even want to go out with other people if I have to come home to that. I'd rather just have my house tidied up before I go to bed, but I'd have to stay up really late to do it. Um, And instead of just being disappointed in that and sitting there and letting it make a wedge between us, I just said, hey, this is really hard to say because I so appreciate getting to go out and have a fun night with the girls. But when I come home to a sink full of dishes, it is really annoying to me. And, um, And he stepped up his game and he was like, I would love to wash the dishes and make sure that that's taken care of. And, you know, like, Almost 100% of the time he does that. And when he doesn't do it, he's like, I'm getting to the dishes. I'm about to do the dishes. (laughs) So it's really helpful. Yeah. And so I think the biggest part of this is just, you know, are you going to allow those expectations or those unmet expectations to create disappointment and anger? Or will you begin to leverage those into a way that will grow your commitment uh, both to the Lord and to one another? And so it's our hope for you guys that if, if you choose to go down this marriage path, that you will leverage those for your growth and for his glory. Mm-hmm. So. so there's three key problems um, that we want to look out for. One is that you can be unaware of the expectations that you have in your relationship. Um, it can be so ingrained and so subconscious, just something that you think, well, this is just how it should be, that you don't even realize that it's an expectation that you had. Yep. And then the second one is just your expectations can be unreasonable. Okay, they can be unreasonable. And, um, you know, I think Mandy talked about just wanting to be her mom in that first year of marriage. Like, that, that's a pretty unreasonable expectation. For some of those, it comes uh, uh, spiritually, right? To, to expect that, that your spouse is, or a husband is going to lead you in, like, you know, devotionals every morning. And, like, they're the only spiritual growth that you'll ever have. It's like, that, that might be unreasonable, right? Mm-hmm. That, that that's going to be the, the way that plays out sexually, right? That there can be unreasonable expectations. Like if that's one of the questions when we talk about two on two, it's like, hey, have y'all clarified that? Your expectations for the number of times you're going to have sex in a week. And it's like, typically it's just way off. And they're like, oh, really? Really? Oh, really? Oh. Okay. Yikes. And you know, and so like, there's this like, wow, that's, that's unreasonable. Um, and so ultimately, um, the other place where we get unreasonable in expectations is that we think our spouse 
will fulfill us in a way that only God can. And so for some of you, it could be that you're sitting in this room right now thinking that marriage will fix everything that's broken. And what a lot of times happens with marriage is that it reveals that brokenness, okay? And so you've just, we've got to be careful not to demand an impossibility there. And then sometimes our expectations might be reasonable, but they're completely unspoken. So make sure that you hear me, especially some of you ladies, because if you're like me, you think, if he loves me, he'll know. And that is really unfair when you sit and think about it. He can't read your mind. She can't read your mind. You have to say what you would like. Um, I think that unspoken expectations, I've had to teach myself this, unspoken expectations are just a pathway to disappointment. So if you want to be disappointed, then don't tell them what you're thinking. But if you want to be excited or fulfilled or feel happy about something, then share what you're thinking. Um, I think this really comes up big in the first year of marriage for anniversaries and birthdays. You need to look at each other tonight and say, our birthday's a big deal. Do you think our first anniversary should be a really big deal? And because some of you are like, yeah, I mean, we'll celebrate. I'll say happy birthday, you know? And somebody else is like, I'm having a birthday week. Right? Like, we're going to celebrate all week long. And so you need to get on the same page for birthday, not birth week. Yeah. It's good. Um, But a better way to manage these expectations is kind of just the opposite of everything we just said. Be aware of what you expect. And there's a homework assignment to help you with that this week. Be reasonable in what you expect. If you're not sure, ask community. Be open about what you expect. So like we said earlier, communicate what you're thinking. And then be willing to listen to the Lord. Because a lot of times if we bring our desires to him, he wants to listen. And James 1.5 says, if any of you lacks wisdom, he should ask the God who gives generously. So the Lord loves us through those disappointments when we have those unmet expectations. And so he wants, he wants us to bring those things to him. Yeah, and I think one of the questions I, I think that tends to come up this night too is in the area of just being open with what you expect. is some people are saying, hey, what if my spouse won't listen? Or what if they just don't care about my expectations or they don't, they don't care to understand or even seek agreement in these areas of expectations? And what I would just tell you is like, that's a big flag for me, right? Because if, if we're to be living out this Philippians 2 lifestyle of doing nothing from selfish ambition or vain conceit, but in humility regarding one another is more important than yourselves, the fact that they can't humble themselves to that place of really seeking to want to understand and to learn and to, to just listen, like, that's difficult. Um, Proverbs 18.2 says, A fool takes no pleasure in understanding, but only in expressing his opinion. Okay? And it's just basically like you're being a fool mm-hmm. if, if that's the way you're treating one another. And so that could go both ways, a husband or a wife. Um, so being willing to listen and seek to understand. Um, and so last bit of this on a summary, and then we're going to send you to your tables, is just you can't expect your spouse or your marriage to meet all your needs or to heal all your hurts. Okay, that, that, that's something that, that's for Christ alone. And um, marriage isn't going to fix what's broken. Okay, as we talked about, it, it, it will only reveal the brokenness. And our hope is that as that brokenness is revealed, that it's, it's actually going to lead to deeper intimacy and satisfaction, right? Because you are, you're more fully known and yet fully loved at the same time. And so hopefully it leads to deeper intimacy and satisfaction and not division and then regret uh, that you jumped into this thing. And so uh, we want to give you some time now at your tables to talk through expectations. Uh, You've got questions that are going to pop up here, but another question you might kick around a little bit is just, what do you expect when it comes to boundaries with opposite sex relationships? 
with work relationships, those types of things. And so if you, those of you who hung around um, at the late night uh, earlier this class, you, you got a chance to kind of hear some thoughts there. And so if you've had those conversations, you might kick that around a little bit, and then we'll kind of start there before we jump into in-laws. But take it to the tables, guys. Hopefully good discussion is being had by all. Hey, um, we left you with the question of just, uh, what's your expectation around opposite sex relationships? And so before we jump into in-laws, we'll just share a little bit of kind of where we set up there. Um, and so for us, um, we definitely just, is something we talk through. Some of the stuff we put in place um, <laughs> ahead of time, some of it we like did it wrong. And so we had a, we had an adoptable college student when we first got married and one day we were there on a Sunday and she had come over to do laundry and, and, um, and all of a sudden, like, I look around and, like, Mandy's gone. And, like, it's me and this college girl, and she's folding clothes in the living room. And I was like, oh, gosh. Like, and I'm like, I'm like where are you? Like, super uncomfortable. It's like, this is really uncomfortable. Like, don't leave me here with another woman in our house. <laughs> no, you know, and so it was like, oh, I didn't even you think of no that. You have no idea what I'm capable of. Yeah, it was like, please. And, uh, and so it was one of those where we, we just began to start to have conversations. Like, hey, let how, how should we handle this and, and what should this look like? And so we don't, uh, we don't end up in cars with people of the opposite sex, just two of us. Mm-hmm. I mean, if there's a third person, great. We don't, I, like, even when I go pick up our kids at other people's houses, like, I usually will wait outside, like, hey, can you grab them? And like, I just, for me, I'm just like, hey, I don't, I don't want any opportunity there. Um, you know, one, to, to be wrongfully accused of stuff like that, um, for other people to perceive something. Um, and then also just knowing what I'm capable of, of going, hey, like, I, I, don't, I don't want that temptation to be there. And so we've, we talked about that. We share passwords when it comes to, you know, all things online, email, um, text messages are wide open. And so, um, you know, there's some people that are like, ah, oh, is she always just looking over your shoulder? Are you always looking? I'm like, no. Like, there, there's just this, this sense of trust and that we were saying, hey, if you want to, go for it and vice versa. Um, and so it's not like she's, if she was sitting there always going like, what is that? What is that? Tell me who's going on there. Like get, that, that would get obnoxious, okay? But because we've been kind of open with it, I, I think all that stuff just helps. And then just proactive in communicating. Like there's times where, um, you know, for us, if I know I'm going to go, you know, get a meal with people, I'm like, hey, here's where I'm going to lunch. Um, there was a time where I was recruiting foundation group leaders, and I was supposed to meet this couple at, at a Starbucks, and I show up to Starbucks near our neighborhood. I walk in, um, and she's there, but he's not. And she's like, oh, he's caught in traffic. He'll be in about 15 minutes. Well, I'm like just totally paranoid at that point. I'm like texting my wife, like, I'm meeting with a leader. The husband's not here. You know, it's like, I was like, because I just knew like one of our friend's parents were going to walk in and here I'm sitting in Starbucks with a woman just, you know, sipping coffee in the afternoon. My wife's at home with the kids like bouncing off the walls. I'm like, oh yeah, that's so great. Yeah, great. You know? And so like for me, like I just, it's stuff like that that I just go, I want to communicate that to her first and just say, hey, here's what's going on. Make sure you know, as opposed to like one of her friends going, hey, your husband's with a woman at Starbucks right now. That's two very different situations, right? Yes. If it comes from me versus another one. And so just things like that that you can talk through and, and talk through expectation there. So Yeah, and we realize that um, especially that in a room this big, there's going to be people that are like, well, they're crazy, and we don't have to be that insane about it. And, um, and I understand that viewpoint too, but for us, we just really um, like the illustration of a fire. A fire can be warm and inviting and comfortable and something that's really beautiful to be near and around. 
if it's confined, if it's in a fireplace, if it's in a fire pit. And once it gets outside of that, once it gets outside of its boundaries, it's really destructive and harmful. And that there's a lot of things there that, that we have watched other friends do simple little things like what he's talking about. And it's just been that slow fade towards something that they never, a road that they never intended to go down. And so that's why, um, that's why he stands outside when he goes to friends' houses to pick up kids. And that's why um, we do that kind of thing. When we were first married, I um, got paired up. I, I taught school, so there were two male people in the entire school, the principal and the PE teacher. And somehow I got paired up with the PE teacher to pull some event off. And we, on lunch break decided, well, we need to go check out this restaurant, talk to these people or whatever. And he was like, just hop in with me. So the two of us are driving and we lived in this little small town at the time. We're driving down this main strip. We are passing so many people that I know. And I was like, oh my gosh, (laughs) Lance is going to be like, where did you and Todd go today in the middle of a school day? You know, just, just looked, doesn't look good to other people. It can it can be perceived in, in, in the wrong way and, um, and really lead to mistrust with your spouse. And so just being, being proactive and talking about those things. We have some friends that um, he's a realtor and he has to be paired with another female and they go door to door. And so he's just really good about checking in like, hey, we're you know, in this neighborhood and we're gonna go door to door for about an hour and I'll text you when we're done. And so he'll text and be like, hey, we're all done, we wrapped up. And, and so that's another good way to just kind of just be really proactive with communicating about that. Yep, so there's... Good, great passages there. Romans thirteen fourteen has been huge for me, you know. But put on the Lord Jesus Christ. It says, "And make no provision for the flesh to gratify its desires." Um, Proverbs six twenty seven and says, "Can a man carry fire next to his chest and not and his clothes not be burned?" And um, <laughs> the answer is no, right? Mm-hmm. And so for me, that that is me carrying fire close to my chest when I allow you know boundaries and stuff like that to be breached, um, which is good. So. Anyway, having those conversations, if you haven't already, those are good ones to, to jump into. So uh, on to in-laws, in-laws, right? And so as you go to fill out blanks, um, the first one there says everyone brings their own baggage into the marital relationship, okay? We're not talking about your in-laws as the baggage there, right? No, you are stamped, though, with the DNA of your parents, okay? And so some of that's good, some of that's bad, and, and hopefully over time, you're going to see more of the good than the bad, okay? But you've been shaped by your family of origin, and your spouse has been shaped by theirs too, okay? And so for some of you, your story has to do with single, you grew up in a single parent home, okay? So even for you, what you saw as a family could have been aunts, uncles, you know, could have been um, what you saw on TV. But all of us in some way or another, we've been shaped, our view of marriage has been shaped by outside sources, Mm-hmm. There's an unknown quote. I love that it's unknown. Listen to this. Be tolerant of the human race. Your whole family belongs to it, and some of your spouse's family does too. I think that's a funny quote. It's sometimes how we feel, right? Um, you don't just marry the individual. You, are, um, you marry the whole family, and you get all the baggage, whether it's good stuff or bad stuff or a little of both that comes with them. Yep. Oh, and we're going to talk. We're gonna, this is funny. I like this clip. Y'all watch this clip real quick. so close-minded. You see, this is the attitude. I'm not close-minded. Ugh, what are you doing right now? This is who you are. Why can't you just talk about things, huh? Talk! (laughs) You know, I have to say that you're actually exhibiting some of the very traits that seem to jump off the page in Michael's book. Who? Uh, you. (laughs) Wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. 
First of all, it's not a book. It's pieces of construction paper. You sound a bit close, Martha. Hey. <laughs> Eileen, you have no idea what I have to put up with. When I got married, I didn't just get a husband. I got a whole freak show that set up their tent right across the street. <laughs> and that, that would be fine if they stayed there. But every day, every day, they dump a truckload of their insane family dreck into my lap. How would you like to sit through two people in their 60s fighting over who invented the lawn? The lawn! <laughs> I live in an apartment. I don't even have a lawn. Raymond has a lawn. But you can't blame him when you see who the mother is. She has this kind of sick hold on the both of them. And the father's about as disgusting a creature as God has ever dropped on this planet. So no wonder the kid writes stories. I should be writing stories. My life is a gothic novel. And until you have lived in that house with all of them in there with you day after day, week after week, year after friggin' year, you are in no position to judge me. <laughs> oh, yes. Gospel according to Raymond, right? I love that clip. I think it shows a lot of... Anyways, a lot of what we're going to talk about today. There you go. Yeah. Um, You're about to get mean right there. No, almost, I wasn't. Right? Not at all. No. Okay. No. Um, so the Bible has a few things to say about this relationship, the in-law relationship. Um, quite a, almost the entire book of Ruth talks about the daughter-in-law Ruth and the rock star mother-in-law. You know, that's in that book. And um, there's a little bit about in-law relationships in Luke chapter 12 and Deuteronomy 27. But not a lot in detail. But the Bible is littered with great truth about how to deal with relationships in general. And so we're going to talk about that. Yeah, and so you guys have heard this verse before in previous weeks. But on Genesis 2.24 talks about this process that we all experience. Okay, it says, For this reason a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife, and they will become one flesh. And, and so I want to take some time to kind of break down what that is, that becoming one flesh. Okay, and, and so basically the man leaves his father and mother, becomes united with his wife, and together they form a new family. Okay, and so I think sometimes people go, well, so the man does that, but what about the woman? It's like, well, okay, if she doesn't leave and cleave as well, then they can't cleave, right? And so it's what you call an inference here, where it's inferred that, hey, the woman then does likewise as the man uh, leaves and cleaves as well. And so the leaving, then how that happens is basically this is you establishing independence from your parents, okay? And we've heard it said before, hey, children are arrows, not boomerangs, okay? And so you are, you are sent out and you begin to establish that independence from your parents. Some of you, like you are way down the road in this, Okay, for others of you, like you maybe still live with your parents, you may still be in college and still kind of under their umbrella. And so this kind of leaving stuff is going to be kind of new to you. Others of you, you've experienced before in the past. But, but this leaving doesn't mean the end of the parent-child relationship. Okay, it doesn't mean like, hey, that relationship's over. Um, and, and in fact, that leaving should be done in the context of honoring one's parents. Okay, that you would honor them as you do it. 
And so it's kind of like severing two chords, and the two different chords, one is the chord of dependency, and this is how um, before we're married, we really are financially and emotionally dependent on our parents. And so once we're married, we want to sever that cord. And now our um, emotional support and our financial support comes from our significant other. The other is the cord of allegiance. And this is um, more about honor and commitment. We honor our parents, and we're still going to honor our parents post-marriage, but our first commitment is now to our spouse. We are committed to them and to that relationship first, and the parents take kind of a backseat role at this point. Yeah, and so as we talked about, just that leaving is going to look different for different stages of life, living situations, prior marital status. Um, some of you, it's going to look different just based on the distance that you're going to be from your parents, okay, when, you, when you're married. Um, but that concept of severing those cords should be the same. And so when we first got married, we lived like 30 seconds from my parents. 36. Yeah. She counted. Um, and then we, but we were nine hours from hers, okay? And, and so where that was kind of crazy for us is that, um, you know, we were so nearby that, like, my mom would just kind of pull up and be like, hey, can we come over? And, like, she's in the driveway, you know? It's like, <laughs> whoa. And so where that just never happened with her parents. So then it, was, it would be easy for me to kind of be like, man, what is wrong with my family and so right with hers when really it just there was a difference there and just distance for us and and so for some of you that leaving part is going to be some really difficult and hard conversations and and so what I want you to remember as you go to have those is that the goal is healthy relationship okay with your in-laws you don't want to make them outlaws Okay, like you want good relationship with your parents and with your in-laws during this time. And so the degree to which you leave um, that, you know, relationship, not ending the relationship, but the degree to which you leave is the degree to which you can cleave. Okay, and so that means if you don't leave fully, you can't cleave fully and establish that commitment to one another. And so when you leave your parents' support, as Manny talked about, you're now going somewhere else to find it or to have it provided. And that someone else then it becomes your spouse. And so that's the way God designed this to work, is that your provision now in this area is your spouse. And so you leave, you cleave, and you become one flesh, okay? And so this is that transition that then takes place on the wedding day, okay? And so, you know, back on week one, we talked all about oneness, okay? And just this picture of what oneness is. It's physical, it's emotional, it's companionship, it's permanent, um, it's having that same purpose together, And so one of the important things for you to do during, you know, this engagement type season is to just talk to you like, hey, how do you think your parents are going to handle this? Okay, how how do you think my parents will handle it? What What do you see that will be difficult for them when it comes to leaving, cleaving, and us becoming one flesh? And so it will look different. Um, you know, in my family, I'm the oldest, so I was the first child to go through this. For Mandy, she was the last one to go through it. Okay, so naturally, my parents are going to respond differently than hers are. Depending on how healthy that relationship is for your, between your mom and your dad. Like if your mom maybe has had an unhealthy connection with you, you know, because maybe she hasn't felt that connection with your dad. Like that's going to be more difficult for her. If your parents have a great marriage, it's like, man, this is, this is how this is supposed to work, mm-hmm. right? And you, you kind of see the differences and how that's all played out. And so your prayer then becomes, Lord, help me to be a spouse first, a parent second, and a son or daughter third. Okay, and so when she talked about that allegiance, that's how that shows up. And so ultimately what's important between the two of us is that we're within one flesh together. Mm-hmm. Which means that we want you, this is the next bullet, to be on the same team. Um, and that means that um, 
one of the things you want to think about is that you get to follow the normal rules of conduct with your parents and your in-laws. Just like we talked about um, several weeks ago, y'all learned the speaker-listener technique, and y'all talked about using it with each other, but this is going to be really useful with your in-law relationships. You can speaker-listener them as well. They won't (laughs) even know you're doing it. Um, But we want you to consider both your parents and your in-laws worthy of esteem. We're talking, these are, these are children of God themselves, and so we want you to honor them and to care for them. And really, truly, in the first year, if anything ever became difficult for me with Lance's parents, at the very least, they birthed, raised, and cared for the man that I now call husband and that I love. And so for that reason, I'm gonna work on that relationship and I'm gonna treat them with the utmost um, consideration. Um, When you are making big decisions and you're talking through those things and you need to communicate those, we really encourage you to communicate things up front with your family and to be honest and open and actually really proactive, maybe several months out from whenever this big decision is happening. And and I communicate with my family and he communicates with his family. And that just kind of keeps everything really healthy. And yeah, early in our relationship, there were times where I would just ask Mandy like, hey, can you just let them know we can't make it to dinner tonight? And so Mandy would communicate it. What my mom thought was then that Mandy was making all these decisions. Okay. And what we had to realize and change was that I needed to communicate that to my mom and I needed to communicate it as, hey, we, we cannot make it. We've talked about this. We decided, okay, this isn't me going going, yeah, I wanted to be there, but old ball and chain, you know, uh, it's horrible. And so then you create this division. And so you've got to learn how to do that together and communicate well. Another part of being on the same team means that you're no longer going to run to your family members for help or support when you're having a, mar- um, a marital problem. And we, ha- we want to be really careful here because I feel like we always get a lot of questions about it. Yes, if your parents are love the Lord and have a healthy marriage and you feel like they're a good sounding board for your marriage, then yes, go to them together and talk through your issues together. What I'm talking about is going and running to your sister or to your mom or to your dad or your brother and bad-mouthing your spouse because of how he's treating you or what's going on or the situation that happened. That shouldn't happen anymore because you severed that cord and you want to honor your husband um, first and foremost. And so we just want you to be careful who you run to counsel for. And anybody that you go to counsel, um, you know, you're running and asking for counsel and wisdom from them. We want that to be somebody that's for your marriage. That's for both of you. So that, that also includes like, let's not run to our best friend who hates your fiance or hates your, you know, husband and, and start bad mouthing him because that's only going to fuel the fire. Um, you want to run to people who are really for both of you. Um, if your spouse has an issue with your parents, then we want, we want to encourage you guys to fight that battle alongside each other in a really compassionate, winsome way of, um, of just, hey, you know, we're having this issue and we need to talk it out kind of a thing. Um, and we want you to promote peace in your families. And there are, there are plenty of scripture that ask you to do that and to um, just to have the hard conversations in a really loving way. Yep. And then the next part of that is just don't allow your parents or yourself to badmouth your spouse. And so Mandy touched on this a little bit, but you want to build them up, okay? You want to be their number one fan. And so uh, Romans fourteen nineteen says, so then let us pursue what makes for peace and for mutual up, upbuilding, okay? And so you want to make sure that your parents, your family, your friends know that you're not going to be a part of conversations where you're badmouthing others. And that sometimes you, some of you get pulled into that in your mom and dad's relationship, 
right? Where they're talking and saying all these bad things. So you can be an example there, but you can also let them know, hey, I, I don't want to be a part of, of that type of just conflict and, and really you kind of raising up friction in, in, in a relationship. And so it's a great opportunity to be example. Um, one of the places where I feel like this shows up a lot is just a, around the holidays, Okay, and so some of you have experienced holidays together, some of you have not, uh, but here's kind of a quick illustration on the importance of this around the holidays. Gosh, wasn't it just so hard to find gifts under the $10 cap this year? The first gift is to Connor. The $10 what? And it's $10 from... $10 spending cap. Uncle Brad and his special friend, Kate, and maybe this will make you think about being mean to your nice uncle after you see what he got you here. Go ahead, open it up. Yeah. What? Xbox? Whoa. This is awesome, man. Top shelf for you, pal. It's got the triple core processor, wireless controllers, the whole deal. It was a $10 spending cap. How in the hell did you find an Xbox for under $10? Looks like somebody's trying to show off how much money he makes. Yeah. Or maybe someone's family didn't tell him that there was a $10 spending cap. Or maybe if you came home more than once a decade, you'd know crap like okay, that. Guys, can we try to stay positive here? What's the problem? We're just trying to give some gifts to some children. It's Christmas. Let's keep the momentum going here. Okay, the next gift is to Cody, and this is from your dad, okay? And I'm sure this is a good gift, too, okay? Dig in there. Tear it up. Flashlight? That's it? Well, you love me, Daddy. Okay, okay. Uh, uh, honestly, I think it's my fault. I didn't know that there was a $10 spending cap. Well, my gift from Santa Claus better be straight cool. I have a feeling that your gift from Santa is going to probably ring in right around $10, too. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, so yeah, here's the deal. The fourth one then is, hey, be sure to clearly communicate your plan for holidays, birthdays, and other big events, okay? And so for you people pleasers out there, this is going to be really hard for you. You are going to disappoint someone, okay? You cannot meet every expectation that your family and that your in-laws have for you around the holidays and birthdays. And so Galatians 1.10 says, from my now seeking the approval of man or God, or am I trying to please man? If I were still trying to please man, I would not be a servant of Christ, okay? And so there are going to be times where you are going to disappoint people because here's the deal. All husbands, wives, parents, in-laws, we all have differing expectations. And so uh, you want to share? Well, so Lance already told you guys that we lived really close to his family that the first three years of our marriage, actually. But the first year was the m- most <laughs> amazing year. Yeah. <laughs> Um, his family is wildly different than mine. It led to a lot of discovery. Yeah, a lot of discovery. Yeah. Um, wildly different than mine. They are, (laughs) they just do everything really, really big. And my family doesn't necessarily function that way. So for instance, like my birthday last year, my mom just sent me a card. She didn't call me or anything on my birthday. We talk like every three days. So if my birthday doesn't fall on that like third day, then we don't talk. And you know, every member of his family, cousins, aunts, uncles are all calling me to wish me a happy birthday. By 8 a.m. Yeah, yeah, like first thing in the morning. I wanted to tell you right away. Oh, okay. And um, so my first birthday. It's rolled, really sweet. It it's is thoughtful. very thoughtful. Yeah. I actually kind of have started to feel like, why doesn't my family love me? Like, <laughs> such a big deal to Lance's family. Um, but my first birthday in Bartlesville, um, his dad called me. And said, uh, I think it was spring break, so I wasn't working. And he called me, you know, probably 6.30 in the morning. Happy birthday! 
And um, we talked for a little bit. He said, I want to take you guys to lunch. Can you and Lance meet me at Chili's today for lunch? And I was like, well, that's really sweet. Yeah, we can totally meet at Chili's. Well, Lance failed to communicate to me that his dad would be dressed up for my birthday. So this is the man that met me at Chili's on my first birthday. (laughs) On the left, my birthday is on St. Patrick's Day, and he dressed like the world's largest leprechaun for my birthday. Um, We go big. We go big. Uh. And then... Um, and then on the right is him dressed as cowboy Santa for Christmas. Yeah. So. That's right. And so, the, I mean, it's, they love it. Like, they have a tree that's covered in ornaments, and it spins. And our kids are like, oh, tell us, Grandfather, the story of this ornament. Like, every ornament he's ever bought is on that tree, you know. And, like, the motor's about to go out because it's, like, so heavy. Uh, but... It's fun, right? We have a good time. And the, the apple doesn't fall too far from the tree. Here's, here's kind of how we're raising up our kids to, to, do, to go and do likewise. So this was, <laughs> this was Star Wars theme a couple of Halloweens ago. And then this last Halloween, this was our uh, going big. Uh-huh. Oh, oh. Cisco Hogwarts, yeah. Lance is continuing the tradition. Yeah. And so, yeah, our youngest Griff was, was Dobby and, and like... Probably like two minutes into the night, he had pulled the mask off and like just looked like a kid no one loved, like in a <laughs> pillowcase, you know, which was sad. Uh, anyhow, but it's, it's good to communicate those things because, you know, when you combine family of origin, so this is, this is all, yeah, nurture. Um, and so when you get that, you combine that, it gets, gets tricky from time to time. And so, I, you know, I love my parents. I love how much they love that. But for us, first, first Christmas together, she was like, oh, I can't wait to go cut our tree. I was like, cut it. We're buying it in the store. Like, it's going to be artificial. And she's like, oh, no, no, no. We, we go cut it down and we drink cider and we ride on a tree. I'm like, babe, that ain't happening here. You know, it was like, oh, no. And so we had lots of good conversations around that um, in the holidays. We, we had a real tree for two years. Yeah, and he then was I, nice to me for a while. And then I won her over. I was like, babe, there are pine needles everywhere. You yeah, know, like, all the I'm sweeping killed me. Kind of a neat freak. Yeah. So anyway talking through those things, I think is huge. But. Yes. Um, one of the things we really encourage is just coming up with a plan together well in advance. So um, probably discuss well before mid-November what your plans are for Thanksgiving and Christmas because the parents are going to want to know. Um, especially those of you that are, you know, younger, they're like, we want to know when you're both going to come home and be with us for Thanksgiving or when you're going to come home and be with us for Christmas. So um, you want to discuss that well in advance. And, and just remember that you guys... Like he said, can't please everybody, and you're in charge of your schedule. So um, just being really sweet about it, like, hey, I know that you're really hoping that we come home for Christmas, but this year we're going to have to do Thanksgiving with y'all and Christmas here, whatever the story may be for you guys. But just just saying, if, if that is really sad for you, then next year we'll change it up, and we'll try to do something that works for you guys. Yep. And so just, I think once you get to the house, like just being sensitive to the needs of your spouse. Okay. So when they're in your home with your parents and your family, like being sensitive to their needs, trying to help prepare them for things. The first time I went to Thanksgiving at her parents, (laughs) um, her grandma was there. So mama is what we call her. And, uh, everyone's like, oh yeah, we should play dominoes. I'm like, oh fun dominoes with mama. And so we sit down to play and you know, we're playing and like, I don't, I didn't know she like played for blood. Like she's (laughs) mama's like, talking trash and like, is that all you got? (laughs) You know, and I'm like, oh, awesome. Like, prepare me for that stuff, right? Um, I think too, like on a serious note, like just if there's been a death in the family, 
right? And that's that first holiday. Like, man, how, how can you come alongside your spouse, walk with them through that season? Like, just knowing that that's going to be hard, right? Knowing that's hard for their family, knowing that's hard for them as well. Um, just having that mindset of how do I prepare them for what's coming, right? And, and try to make them the most comfortable they can be. Um, I have a friend who was on staff with me here for a while that um, this first Christmas with their family, they all got to open gifts that night and like uh, on Christmas Eve. And he's like, oh, this is going to be great. And they all open it up and it's matching pajamas. And so he had no idea, like, we're about to take a matching pajama picture in front of the tree, all of us together. And I was like, oh, yeah, you probably need to tell people that. That's big. Um, and so just realizing that, that first holiday way, it can be tough. Um, and so expect, expect emotion. For those of you who maybe are going to be blended families, like holidays then just get even tougher, mm-hmm. right? If divorce is a part of that picture where you're trying to match those things up and just realizing like those conversations need to happen, um, and so you want to use that holiday time and the time with in-laws to be proactive, okay, and to build the relationship. Um, and so that's huge. Um, I, I think when we have, we do two-on-two with couples, a lot of times it's just like, hey, you need to make your family and your in-laws like aware that this relationship is important to you. Okay, and I feel like that's what we've done over and over again. It's like, hey, this relationship is important to us. Like, this matters. Like, you guys are going to be a part of our lives. And I think you can sometimes get so caught up in wedding planning and everything else that you're just, you're just on this track and doing your own thing, and, and you're not really helping to kind of bring them along. Um, I've had guys before, like, I don't know why their parents don't like me. I'm like, well, how much time have you gotten with them? I, I met them once. Okay, here's the deal. They don't know you, and, and you're about to go marry their daughter. Like, <laughs> get time with them. Like, work on the relationship. Build that relationship together with them um, and spend the time to do that because that building of relationship makes it easier than to have some of those harder conversations and those difficult conversations that you might need to have down the road when it comes to, man, what kind of gifts are we going to receive with no strings attached? What kind of boundaries do we need to set up when it comes to relationship with them? And so you want to look for ways to build the relationship, look for ways to bless them, look for ways to thank them. Okay, Romans 12, uh, 16 and 18 says, hey, as far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. And so you have this unique opportunity in your relationship with your parents and with your in-laws to be a picture of the gospel, okay? And so, and jump all in with that. Um, this is a big deal. The next area is just be realistic and accept reality. And the reality is that this is gonna be a unique relationship, And the reality is kind of what he was saying is that you can't expect to be just really close to your in-laws really quickly because you have to get time together and you have to learn um, just how each other function and what they, what likes and dislikes and all those kinds of things. I think when I first got engaged to Lance, I thought, oh, it's like a second mom. Well, you can't just jump into second mom role because this is a completely different person than who my mom is. And so have to spend that time and get to know her. Um, I I am a true walking billboard for the fact that you can love difficult people. Um, I can say today that his mom was pretty difficult for the first couple years of marriage. We have bukus of stories about how difficult she is, but what's great is those have really faded because I don't really remember them very well anymore because our relationship is at a totally different place. And I, and I really appreciate that. And I'm so excited by that. Um, but my favorite story, (laughs) the one that does stick out in my mind is, um, one day we were in church ministry. And so one day we were rushing home to do, we came home after church doing something real quick. And then we were going to run back out the door to some other event. And, um, I ran by the bay window in our little rent house that we were renting 
and it looked out over our back patio. And when I ran by, something caught my eye, and I kind of backed up and looked, and there was a bassinet on our back patio. And I um, probably must have been watching too many movies, and I'm really into crime shows, so I was like, oh my gosh, somebody abandoned a baby on our back patio. That was my first thought. And I was like, Lance, come look at this. You know, I'm like climbing up in the windowsill, but I wouldn't walk out there. And, um, and uh, he, you know, he goes out there, and I was like, is there a baby in there? And he was like, no, but there's a note. And we open up this note, and it says, please fill and return love mom. We'd been married like four months. We go big. We go big. <laughs> this is just one of the areas that, I, that was very pushy and very forward to me. Um, so anyways, I just, I just say that to say I can understand difficult in-laws. And I can tell you that if you work, <laughs> you're all still talking. Nobody's yeah. listening to me. <laughs> I can tell you that if you work on the relationship and if you care about the other person more than you care about yourself, then you can really make some headway and some ground in that yeah. area. I and love- you're, you're welcome to say, hey, look, it's not that, it's not a bassinet on your back porch, yeah. right? And just kind of <laughs> downplay what you're walking downplay through. Downplay you whatever to. your story yeah. is. Um, I think I love Romans 12.10 because it says, love one another with brotherly affection, outdo one another in showing honor. I love that verse, and I love it for my in-laws. If I can just outdo them, if I can outlove them, um, I think that it's really important, um, since we're talking about being realistic and accepting reality, of just, um, just really caring for them and, um, and realizing that it might be difficult, but it can be done. That's good. Oh, and I'm I'm next too. Sorry. The next one is choose your attitude rather than blame another person for your responses. James four six says God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. Um, And so just be humble and love those that are difficult to love, even if it doesn't come naturally to you. It's something that you can work on. And and really, we just get the chance to go first. And so anytime that we're traveling to his parents' house or they're coming to my house, I'm thinking, man, what would really bless them or what, what, would, really, what would really speak love to them? And, um, and it's, been, it's kind of been kind of fun just to figure that out. One time I thought her Tupperware is a mess and I said, hey, can I, can I help organize your Tupperware? Oh my gosh, would you do that? I was like, yeah. And so now every time I visit, I organize the Tupperware drawer, and she loves it. She writes me a thank you note, you know, for organizing the Tupperware drawer. And I know that they, his parents only drink diet soda, so I fill the refrigerator with diet soda when they come to my house. And just what are things that will speak love and care towards them? Because it's fun to go first, and yeah. it's, it's what we're called to do. Yeah, so it's, it's, and it's opportunity for us as men, too. Like when her mom comes, I always try to go out and greet her, welcome her to her house. I always want to try to carry her stuff in from the car as she's taking her stuff Tons out. Stuff. I want to help. Yes. <laughs> Lots of magazines every time. I'm like, no, no, no. Uh, anyway, but you'll, you'll find out those ways that you can bless each other's in-laws. And, and I just think what's so great about it is like, even if they're difficult, like they care and they love you. And, and I know for some of you, you're going, man, you don't know my parents or my in-laws. They don't love me and they don't care. And in my prayer, my hope is that you're able to work through that time with them and to, to find healing there. Um, you know, and if your leaders can help be a part of that, if we can be a part, like, we, we'd love to help in that because, man, it's great to have a good relationship with parents and with in-laws. So uh, last one here is just your own marriage is top priority, okay? And, and Tim Keller says this, and he says, your marriage must be more important to you than anything else. 
No other human being should get more of your love, energy, industry, and commitment than your spouse. And so there are going to be times where you have to fight hard for your marriage when it comes to the area of in-laws, okay? And that you've got to continue to show that to be a priority. And so as you do, as you make that a priority, continue to be a learner and just bring God glory um, in and through that. And so um, that's, yeah, the close there.